Welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Trevor. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dustin. So Trevor, I think we've got a few more items of follow-up on Black Panther because we haven't talked about that enough. Which I'm totally okay with, but I think... (laughs) I know of at least one person who said they would wait until we were done with Black Panther to listen because they weren't going to see it in the theaters. Uh, so, um, oh, I thought you were just going to say they didn't want to hear anything about Black Panther. And oh, I was like, well, well, I mean, yeah, because they hadn't seen it yet. No, no, I meant like in the I won't, I won't listen to anything involving Black Panther. Or not oh the... no, no. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is definitely not part four of Black Panther. Um, but I have something really quick to say, which is um something that could be considered sort of uh an Easter egg that I did not notice until it was pointed out to me. Um, and this is not a spoiler because it's right at the beginning of the movie. Killmonger, when he first shows up, he is standing in a museum looking at some artifacts. And what I did not know is that the way that scene is shot is pretty clearly a reference to a protest that was held in a museum over a painting of Emmett Till's body. Um, So the, I will include a link to an article and a tweet that shows the photo, but if you see the, actually I can send you guys the link right now. Um, The, just like the stance of the guy who I, I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the person who did this protest, which I feel like I should know that, but I don't. Um, He's protesting the painting open casket and just like his stance and everything. It seems like a pretty clear reference in black Panther. Mm. And the article where I learned about this also has some other stuff just about how museums, um, steal stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of what Killmonger alludes to at the beginning of the movie when he's talking with the museum lady custodian. Hmm. Expert curator? curator curator that's it curator uh when he's talking to the curator um this article just kind of talks about the background of some of that information or some of that just museum stuff what did you say that per, the the painting was of um the painting is called open casket and it's of emmett till in his coffin okay remind me who emmett till was emmett till was a lynching victim, a fairly late lynching victim. Okay. Um, 1955. Um, young, a white woman. Kid. What? Like a young kid. Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to look this up just so I don't get the facts wrong. Uh, but in 1955, he was 14. A white woman uh, said that he had offended her in some way. And so he was killed for it. And that was uh, kind of a major event that helped kick off the civil rights movement. Okay. Uh, uh, Till was accused of flirting with or whistling at the woman. Um, Yeah. And he was lynched and killed. And um, some people went to trial, but were acquitted by an all white jury. Um, So nobody was punished or anything because that's how lynching works. 
was he from like Chicago or something? Uh, this was in Mississippi. Right, but he, he was born in Chicago. Okay. I'm not sure if he lived in Chicago or... If, oh, he was visiting relatives. Yeah. That sucks. Yep. I thought it also raised good questions about like just the fact that all of the museums have stuff from other countries that have been taken out of those countries. Like you hear about British museums returning pieces to Egypt or I don't know, some of their other former colonies. At least I think I've heard stories about that recently. And museums are a good uh, indicator of colonialism. Yeah. And the, the British museum, which is not featured in the movie, but is pretty clearly, um, it's nodded towards the museum in the movie is sort of a fictional version of the British museum. And you've heard of the British Museum returning stuff? I don't know about the British Museum, but a British museum. Okay. Well, the British Museum has a long-standing controversy, if over nothing else, the Elgin Marbles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That. I don't think that was it, but I, yeah, I don't know. Usually, I might be misremembering. But. Usually when I hear stuff about artifact disputes with the British Museum, it's that they refuse to return it. Um, the Elgin marbles are kind of the most famous one, but there's a whole lot of stuff that like they, I mean, they have it, but they really don't have any right to own it. Right. And you're right. It is just, um, as much as I love the British museum, so much of the stuff in it is just a very, uh, visible, uh, very visible evidence of colonialism. Like you said. Yeah. This is mine because I want it and I can take it from you. Yep. Black Panther adjacent. Matthew, you uh, brought to light or brought to our attention rather a DC character named Red Lion. Would you like to tell us a little bit about him? Um, It was just amusing because it, Marvel and DC bo- going both ways have a long history of copying and then adapting or like taking similar ideas for characters and making them their own thing and then developing them in their own universes and i guess that's kind of uh imitation is the sincerest form of flattery type thing um but the red lion is almost it is the rule like is fairly new he was only invented at the tail end of 2016 and he is the ruler of a an, of a small african nation wears a suit of metal that negates vibration and his uh aesthetic is pretty much black panther but red and the the style just stylistically it looks very much and we can put a link to a picture in show notes but um yeah i just kind of found all of that funny the show notes can be found at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 33 the particular image i came across was of a comic cover that has 
that for like something vaguely Justice League-y and the Red Lion has Cyborg pinned to the ground and is ripping parts of Cyborg off while um, the big other Justice League people like Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman are all in the background looking aghast at it. And it's got the, it's a very standard comic book cover trope to have a design with some character on a team being attacked in the foreground and everyone else looking aghast at it. But that, I don't know, whenever I see that, I just think of how silly of it, how silly it is that Superman, who could literally run over there and probably disintegrate Red Lion in five seconds, or Wonder Woman could like do pretty, not disintegrate, but either one of them could end the situation very quickly. And they're just like, oh no, he's hurting Cyborg. What should we do? They're too busy expressing their indignation. (laughs) How dare you? Um, but I mean, the, again, I, at this point, it's almost like an homage to that's how they did lots of comic covers back in the day. And again, it's I, in this case, it's DC, but Marvel, uh, I'm more familiar with Marvel examples of it anyway. So it's kind of funny to see that just because of the fact that either like even Batman could probably take him down, like like any of them could do something and end the slaughter. And it's just kind of like. Do they not like probably even that little sword guy in the background? Oh, um, it's funny that he's on there because that's I think it's Deathstroke. Who's the guy that Deadpool is a ripoff of? Mm -hmm. Okay, he's not a hero. Goes both ways. Did you guys read the uh, DC wiki links that I included? No, I didn't think so. (laughs) So apparently this. Uh, Matthew Bland guy somehow tricked uh, or took Deathstroke's armor, which is Promethean armor. And I didn't know much about it until reading these articles. But Prome- well, hold on, hold on. Promethean Pro- armor, armor, Prometheum, like from Mass Effect. Prometheum is the vibranium, similar metal. Oh, Pr- oh Prometheum. Okay, right. So. The the suit I was reading about said that it uses technology called a gravity sheath, which is probably just, I have no idea what that means. But reading about it, it sounds like the smaller the surface area of some object that's hitting the armor, the greater defense it has. So like it says in that uh, article that anything like the size of a human fist or less, it's basically impervious to. So it doesn't sound like it's vibration focused as much as the size of an object and like how focused force is. Should we point out that Prometheum is actually an element? Like it's a real element on the periodic table. I don't think it's this at all. I'm just saying. No, it's not. And (laughs) I'm wondering if they named this, I, I'm kind of curious which came first. I would, I don't know. Prometheum seems like it's probably a newer discovered named one, but it's like in the, it's not that big. So I don't think it was one of the most recent. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Yeah. Well, I know someone that does. And that someone says that it was discovered in 1942. Wow, your friend answered really fast. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like the actual element would be the first and then the DC version of it. Though I guess they don't make it sound like it's some kind of space metal. It's uh, an alloy that they use, like an a Prometheum alloy of different stuff. I don't know. It's probably one of those deals where people didn't know much about it, like the general public, and they're like, hey, we can use this, and it's an actual thing. And Well, I wouldn't even be surprised if the writers who made it had no idea it was an element. They just kind of picked it because it sounded yeah. like a good name. Yeah. Because it's not exactly like, when was the last time you ever encountered an object made of Prometheum or including Prometheum? I don't think there are that many things that... No. It's a rare earth. It's a rare earth metal, right? Right. Like it's in the, like, a lanthanide or actinide or one of those two. Oh, wait. Did I say 1940? It was 1945. You said 42, so. So it's one of the, f- okay. So it's one of the fission products of uranium. Oh. Uh, yeah. This might be a bit of a tangent. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't actually get a sample of the metal until 1963. So what about Krypton. Krypton, I'm Krypton was discovered. Sorry, Krypton was discovered in 1898, so that preceded. Do you yeah, think that, that those that was a case where I think they knew it was an element and they just picked it because it sounded okay. Um, they it didn't have any reason. They just thought it sounded sci-fi. Okay, sort of like yeah, right. sort of like we but talked they named about the planet Krypton. They didn't name the right right material that yeah, and they don't even call the material of the play call it Kryptonite. So right. That's sort of like we talked about in the quantum episodes when I mentioned in uh, A Princess of Mars and the John Carter books, everything is radium, just because like, <laughs> right, that yeah. was the thing that was recently discovered. Yeah. Radium was a big deal. Like, everyone was really into it. Anyway, yeah. that's... So, yeah, Red Lion, he kind of... I'm using it. It's interesting to look at the character design if you want to chuckle. I don't think we... My favorite part is the name, Matthew Bland. Oh, Matthew Bland. I... I ch- I don't understand why, if this if this character wasn't invented until October of 2016, why? Why you had to go with Matthew Bland? I don't. No, know. no. Why does he exist? Oh, it's um, it feels to me like the kind of character that should only exist if they're just kind of like, well, he was invented like 30 years ago, so I guess we'll keep using him. But no, somebody recently decided to create this character. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not biased at all. <laughs> uh, most of the borrowing seem to be at least like as far back as the 90s or something. So it it feels weird when you see it happen freshly. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's completely different. He's Red Lion, not Black Panther. Different color, <laughs> different cat. And he's a bad guy. And his suit actually, I don't think. I don't get the impression that his suit doesn't has anything to do with vibration, but that's just me. And it's not like everybody in Africa is from the same country. Come on. Totally right, different. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely not from Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> Black Panther is also not a genocidal maniac. So there's that. Right. Going for yeah. Him. Right. Well, I mean, the one book that I read with him in it, he was not wiping out people groups but he was wiping out universes <laughs> to be fair they they wrestled with the moral quandary of that to a large degree yeah. <laughs> to be fair he was conflicted 
okay real time follow up the the suit that i was talking about with the uh gravity sheath is not promethium armor my bad promethium armor is just like it's supposed to it says it's supposed to be kind of like how the military uses depleted uranium in like tank armor or okay. in armor busting shells so it's just supposed to be really tough that's know. how i like my armor <laughs> yeah um cyborg's armor is made of prometheum as well again that's the co- that's what i was gonna say with this cover it just looks like they don't they secretly don't like cyborg and they're just like oh no cyborgs being attacked <laughs> the the rest of the justice league and deathstroke yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they probably had already hired deathstroke to take out cyborg and found out that the red lion was doing it and they're like oh good this means uh, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, i am totally shocked and deathstroke why are you here <laughs> <laughs> trevor did you ever see jumanji yeah i saw it before the last time we talked about it oh my bad why do you ask well you said something about Jumanji uh, from greater than a month ago that related to <laughs> Is this the else. most tortured way to do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I added a card saying that I wanted to mention something about Jumanji. Um, after, uh, oh, what was I saying? Um, okay. So we recorded, we talked about Jumanji. I said that I was kind of disappointed that it didn't have more video game stuff in it because near the beginning they kept talking about video games. I thought, Hey, maybe this will have lots of video game references. And I realized as I was editing that episode, but then forgot to ever follow up on it. I was saying that I wanted ready player one to exist. (laughs) So, (laughs) so after I said that, I actually started to look forward to ready player one, the movie. That's all. Yes, you, look for, you look forward to Ready Player One, yeah, because it has more to do with video games. Because I realized watching Jumanji that I wanted a movie that had more video game references and representation of geek culture. You seem troubled by this, yeah. Nothing in anything that we've ever said about Ready Player One <laughs> makes it sound like the journey is. Or the uh, end result is worth the journey through it. I I feel like, I don't know. I did enjoy the book. I realized what? that probably doesn't come through the way that I <laughs> talked about it. Because I was like, yeah, this book was merely okay. Fun at best. <laughs> and such thing like that. I mean, like, I feel like I always phrased it in the most negative way possible. But I actually did kind of enjoy it. Um I think at the time we talked about it, I had heard so many people speak of it so glowingly that my own expectations were perhaps, I don't know if my expectations were out of line or my perception was out of line, but, or not perception. I don't know if it was my expectations or merely the words that I was using, the words that I was using to express how I felt about it because I wanted to make it clear that I didn't think it was a masterpiece the way so many other people seemed to, but I did like it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're looking forward to it. I just, I wanted to communicate. I don't think it is a, a masterpiece 
of literary form. And it probably isn't all that exciting to anybody who isn't into the references, but as just a fun adventure and a thing that is like, it's nice to see a ton of references. Um, and it has a lot of representation of geek culture. I did like those aspects of it. I plan on reading ready player one after I've read all the other books, all of them, all of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I probably also should mention that I accidentally saw Ready Player One last night. You accidentally? Yes. <laughs> so we're now we're going to have the Ready Player One episode. Not right now. Oh dang it! Wait, do you want to give what your general impression was? Um, especially I... since I'm not going to see it. Are we going to talk about it in depth at some point? I'm I not don't... going to see it. <laughs> I don't know that I'll see it anytime soon. I might see it if it when it's like out. Okay, okay. I'll I'll go ahead and give you brief non-spoiler thoughts. Are we entering city limits? No. Okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. This will be brief and spoiler-free. I enjoyed the movie. The people I was with enjoyed the movie, even though at least two of them would not describe themselves as geeks, I guess. I mean, they they often like I don't know what I'm saying. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Um, What am I trying to say? The movie, what I'm trying to say is I thought it was fun and it is accessible to people who might not get as many of the references, although there were plenty of references I didn't get to. So I think it is probably more accessible than the book, but that also is a bit of a detriment in terms of like, if somebody liked the book purely because of the references they might be kind of disappointed because there's not as many and there's not the same things. Um, so for instance, joust is incredibly important in the book. And when my dad first told me about the book, he said, joust plays a significant role. This game was really important to me. And so that was really cool to see it in a book like this that is reduced to half second on screen of somebody using a avatar that is a reference to joust. Huh? How? Huh. No, somebody run somebody a knight with a lance riding an ostrich rides by really fast. Huh. And that's all. <laughs> that's like a big plot. Yeah. So huh. and yeah, and so that to anybody who's read the book, this is what I'm about to say is already clear from that statement probably. The quest is a lot simpler in the movie. So the quest stated inversely, the quest is a lot more interesting in the books. And the friendships are much harder won in the books as well. So in a, I almost feel like watching the movie made me appreciate the book more. I still enjoy the movie, but I feel like I appreciate the book a little more because um, a lot of things in the book when I read it felt too easy. And then I watched the book and I was like, no, they really had to fight like for those friendships and for the steps of the quest and everything. Um. But in a movie, it all has to kind of compress down into a much shorter time scale. So um, some stuff was lost from that, but it was still a fun movie. Does that answer your questions? Yeah. I think one of my reservations with seeing it just is, and I, again, I'll probably eventually get around to it, but a part of the whole book issue is just that they're repeatedly kind of point out like, these are not attractive people. Do like they are average, like 
I don't know. And the fact yeah. that then you make a movie where everyone's a movie star, even if they're dressed down, it kind of like makes the cat like it just sets it up where they're not going to do the casting to the degree they probably should if they were trying to make it book accurate. Yeah. And I, there's a couple things I want to say about that, but it would, they would go into spoiler territory. That's fair. Um, <laughs> what? You're telling me Since, you don't care about spoilers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, it, the movie has been out for like two days, but we have to respect Matthew. The movie's been out for like two days. Right. And there might be people listening who still want to see it. So I could just take my ears at the out. time we're recording. <laughs> at the time we're recording. <laughs> By the time you hear this, the movie's only been out about a month. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say any spoilers right now, but, um, Matthew is correct that I wish there was more of a, uh, I was going to say, I wish there was more of a difference between the, there are some things in the book regarding how the avatars and their players. I said that backwards. <laughs> there are some things regarding the people and how their avatars look, which I wish were preserved better in the movie format. Like Wade should be fat. That's the one that's really easy to say without like, you know that from the trailer Wade should be fat, but he's not. And if we ever do a spoiler episode, I can say more. Speaking of Finland, you know I was going to say, you know what we haven't <laughs> talked about yet? that we normally have gotten to by this point. Is What's that, Matthew? Finland. Finland. I could talk about Ready Player One for another hour if you guys want. I'm fine with fin- that. Was Finland in uh, Ready Player One? I don't think so. It should have been. They didn't play Finland, uh, Finlandia at all. No. Shame. Because people would have been a lot happier. Okay, I'm going to say one more complaint. <laughs> okay. My beef with the movie. I have beef with the movie. Rush was reduced to a poster on a wall and they should have at least put in a song. Huh. That is odd. That's all. Why why is that? Rush remind me. Rush is incredibly important in the book. Mm-hmm. It was Halliday, the guy who made the quest and made the Oasis. It was his favorite band, and so it was a significant part of the quest. Hmm. Um Did they change it to you too? In the movie? No, it was just a bunch of like 80s pop hits. Like I said, making it more accessible. Okay. (laughs) As long as I'm going back. So just to describe the difference between the quest, in the book, there's a key and then there's a gate. And finding the key is always a really difficult task. Usually to figure, there's a difficult task finding out where you even need to go. And then you have to do a difficult task once you get there. And then that opens a gate. And then you have to clear the gate by doing some difficult specific task. So there's difficulty in finding it. There's difficulty in getting the key. And then there's difficulty in getting the gate in this one. It's not that tough to find the next step. And then it's all um, to quote Han Solo, a bunch of simple tricks and nonsense. It's almost like you just have to figure out like, Oh, when he said this, he meant that. And then you do the thing and you've got it but you don't have to spend hours laboring at a task. You just have to figure out what the trick is. Huh. Um, and it's not key and gate. It's just get the key, get the key, get the key. So, so you're really selling this movie. <laughs> it was a fun movie. I recommend it. <laughs> but the way it, the adaptation there makes sense with it being a two hour movie and not. Yeah. A- Cause he could spend two, it, any one of those six tasks 
could have been two hours. <laughs> um, so you got to compress it down. Yeah, but I'm remembering another book adaptation that was compressed down. That's because they cut it? out Faramir. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm thinking of another one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There was um, some kind of queen and... And yes, some, before somebody some games. emails in, me, Ender's I know game. Faramir. I know there is a character named Faramir in Peter Jackson's <laughs> Lord of the Ring. He's not the same character. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> we, we've been through this not on the show, but in real life. <laughs> and Trevor gets a little worked up. <laughs> I've been through it in real life with a great many people. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you saying about Ender's Game? <laughs> Wasn't that compressed a lot? Ender's and game. We were not okay with that. I yeah. guess it's the difference is we don't we don't love Ready Player One. <laughs> well, I I have to admit that was actually the example that came to my mind of how the compression hurt the story. I think it it's so tough when for- when there's not really a story or it's just an incredibly basic story, it's okay to compress it. Well, it's. I'm quoting our show. Ender's Game carries such weight for me that it really hurt to see it disserviced. With so with Ender's Game, it's like, oh man, there's this story that means so much to me, and I feel like is a part of who I am that I thought I was going to have an easy way to share it with people with this movie, and now I don't because the movie didn't do its job. With Ready Player One, it's like, oh, like there's not quite as many cool references, or the references that are there are like half second flashes on screen. So eh, somebody can still watch the movie and have fun, just like they could have read the book and have fun if they're super into Atari games and Rush. If they've heard of the 80s, they might be a little disappointed, but eh, still fun. Still fun. What? I said, if they've heard of the 80s, then it's still fun. If they've heard of the 80s. Um, there are even a lot more recent references, but um, there was one part specifically in the movie where I could tell they were changing a situation and I thought, okay, I get that they're changing this. It's okay. But the way that they're changing it, they've got to say the enemy's gate is down before they leave this area. And they didn't do it. They made an Ender's Game reference? They should have. They were floating around in zero gravity. They went down to a gate to exit a place. But they didn't say if the enemy's gate is down while they were being shot at. And that was a crime. <laughs> that was a crime. I think you need to write Steven Spielberg about this now. Just yeah. like abandon the podcast and get on this. I, I presume they were not able to get the rights. That was the Ender's Game expansion we needed. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about a happier topic now? <laughs> Fine. Nice. <laughs> so, as I was saying, if... RPO had played Finlandia, the audience would have left in a better mood because, well, I don't know. When was this? This isn't recently anymore. But this year, um, there's this survey that's done of all the countries in the world, and and they ask people, like, you're on a ladder, uh, and where do you, what rung do you think you're at as far as, Okay, so the steps are 0 to 10. And the top of the ladder is the best possible life. And the bottom of the ladder is the worst possible life. Where are you? And this year, Finland ranked as the happiest 
country in the world, which you could probably guess because we're talking about FinFax. So <laughs> this year, the Netherlands. No, I'm just kidding. Is this based purely on self-assessment and self-reporting? I think it's a lot of self-assessment, but there might be some other um, criteria in there. However, when I tried to dig into it a little bit more, it was really hard to find the other criteria. It took me to the company that did this. Okay, the World Happiness Report. Um, and it is it measures subjective well-being. So how happy people feel and why they feel that way. And I wanted to know why, like what social factors go into Finland being the happiest, uh, but I couldn't find those easily and kind of gave up. Did we talk about on air how I was looking on the Finland tourism site and it was there was a page on finding jobs in Finland? I don't remember if we I talked about I believe you one. texted us or something. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Now we just need to find houses and... I thought set to be like happy. I thought they didn't have enough jobs in Finland because of Nokia not doing so hot. <laughs> I don't know. The website made it look like they had lots of jobs and they needed people to come take those jobs. Well, it sounds like it's their job to get people to come to Finland. So yeah, it might be. That's like, oh, well, the admissions <laughs> department told me it's a good school. Hey, okay, here's here's the deal. We're the happiest country. We drink a ton of coffee. We've got all these jobs, great resorts, and dinosaur metal bands. So who doesn't want to move there? <laughs> Crickets. Exactly. What's the average temperature? Because <laughs> I uh, like cold weather. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It is cold, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't believe that's not been a fin fact. I think it might have been. Next time. Finland average temperature. Yeah, we'll do that next time. That'll be follow-up fin fact. And then we'll have the real fin fact. You'd also have to deal with the fact that the light-dark cycles annually are going to be more exaggerated than anything you're used to. Keeps you on your toes. So, Finland, happiest place on Earth. There. Later, we were sued by Disney. <laughs> Why? the happiest place on earth like the slogan of the one of the disney parks oh i don't know i've only been there once that is um and so much more than i've ever been to any disney place <laughs> yeah it was when i was in high school i feel like a lot of people go during that time period for like band stuff and whatnot that was why i went it's amazing the official tagline for Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Yeah, we're getting sued. <laughs> well, they need to, uh, they should be sued by Finland because that's no longer true. Disney can probably sink Finland as a country if they want to try. <laughs> Let's not test that. <laughs> Their button is bigger. <laughs> oh, dear. How much money does Disney make compared to the GDP? Now I'm imagining a nuclear war between Finland and Disney World. <laughs> I'm still pretty sure the Walt Disney Corporation would win. 
I really don't want to find out, though. <laughs> what would nuclear winter in Finland be like? Summer. I hope we've said enough nice things about Finland that our Finnish listeners are not horribly offended by what I'm saying right now. (laughs) All how many of them? (laughs) Both of them. Do we ever get any uh, clicks from Finland in our website analytics? Do we have website analytics? (laughs) We used to. I, I don't really look at them. Oh, okay. It's logging into Google Analytics is like, I hate doing it. I'm sure that we are a smash hit in Finland and we'll just leave it with that. It only takes about 15 clicks to get to like what you would expect the most basic dashboard to be. Um, Can I do some real time follow up? Sure. This is actually something I've thought about mentioning in the past and now I have to insert it live because I feel guilty i hate it when people say don't at me on their podcasts and other places because typically what it means is this person has a huge audience and they completely take it for granted and if somebody wants to at them they should be glad that people want to at them but i just did it about faramir and (laughs) (laughs) um i just want to make it clear that we were joking because we never get an email anyway. <laughs> Please so, add us. <laughs> and if, if you want to email me about Fear, Faramir, uh, go ahead and do it. I will skim to see if you have any sentences that aren't about Faramir or which are in praise of book Faramir. And I will read and cherish such sentences and ignore any that are saying that Faramir was in the movies. So, Also, uh, I, yeah. just, I just looked it up and... The uh, GDP of Finland is about five times the most recent annual revenue of Disney. So they can outspend Disney probably. Hmm. Do we need to rethink our (laughs) imaginings of how that war would go down? (laughs) (laughs) Battle of the happiest places. Finland probably has more polar bears, so that's got to count for something. Do they have any? I thought they had at least a few. I hear there are a lot on Svalbard. Who who owns Svalbard? Isn't it Russian? I don't know the answer to that. Don't don't. Uh, New Line Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's a uh, Norwegian. Okay, interesting. That makes sense. Based I'm s- sure that Norway would loan a few polar bears to the Finns to bring down Disney. <laughs> well, in future episodes, we will have facts about nuclear power in Finland and Walt Disney World and average temperatures of each. And how vulnerable Disney is to polar bears since we seem to be going that way too. I feel like they could assimilate those pretty fast into their movies. Are polar bears in Frozen? I've never seen Frozen, so I don't know anything about it. I don't think so. I've never seen Frozen either. It does have reindeer. Neither of you have seen Frozen? No. I'm just overcome with jealousy right now. <laughs> Let it go, Trevor. <sighs> I'm going <laughs> to let that slide. Wait. What?
he made a reference. I refuse to oh. acknowledge it. Because it's the only re- it's the reference everyone knows and that you can make it without ever having seen the movie. Gotcha. I missed it. Sorry. I was checking out free comic book day titles. He he said he was going to let something go. Oh. And then I yeah, said, that's... Well, I'll let that and realized I was about to do the same thing. I was like slide. Yeah. <laughs> oh. How long are we planning on talking tonight? I want to talk about the next item. I know that I didn't actually answer your question. <laughs> okay. Move along. Move along. Am I bringing it up? Okay. Um, so, Trevor, you shared with us recently a an article about why Hufflepuff is the best house. And if we don't agree, we're dumb. And then I don't remember another, this. Another article about um the who's the character in Fantastic Beasts? Nate Newt Scamander. Newt. Scamander. And you had some interesting thoughts on Hufflepuff Pride. When did I um when did you what? When did I say that I I'm not remembering this article you're talking about. Which article? I talked about two just now. Reasons why Hufflepuff is the best? Yeah, reasons why Hufflepuff is the best, and if you don't agree, you're dumb. I don't remember saying that. Oh, I thought that was the title of it. Um, Hold on, I'm looking. Hufflepuff is the best Hogwarts. It's a dorkly article. That doesn't sound like me. Is the best Hogwarts house, and if you disagree, you are wrong. And it's there are like five reasons. You didn't send this? When, where is this? They have actual safety precautions on their common room area, is one. They have the best house mascot. They actually won the Triwizard Cup. They are the only house without evil wizards. And some, they were the closest to the kitchen. They represent the best aspects of humanity. Um, I should probably find it on the computer I'm at and share the link. I have no memory of this place. <laughs> well, one of you two, sh- one of you two shared it, so I, I don't. Pro- know. I probably, I could have shared it. I just don't. That sounds familiar, but I can't remember if I shared it or read it. But I'm guessing I could have shared it. Thanks for fascinating listening. I don't remember the article. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to find. Da, 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 da. We're okay. This when we're like in our 80s. Okay. I found the thread in in our our text log. And Matthew shared Hufflepuff is the best Hogwarts house and if you disagree you are wrong from Dorkley. Yes, and I just put the link. Okay, I neglected to read the article because I immediately <laughs> was swept up in the discussion which ensued. Matthew said he feels like the only people he encounters who proudly proclaim their Harry Potter house in real life are Hufflepuffs. No idea what that means. And I said... What? How do you... What? No, you said you said no idea what that means. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. I'm not saying I don't understand the first sentence. I'm saying your second sentence was no idea what that means. I understand now. I thought you were yeah. just like, I don't understand the question and I won't respond. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I respond... So you said you seem to... Most of the people who proclaim their house proudly are Hufflepuffs and you don't know what the significance is. I responded, there may be some selection bias here, but I feel the opposite. 
and the opposite of Hufflepuff is no that he never meets Hufflepuff compliment. I, he never meets people in Alyssa. Like, oh. Shall I continue reading the chat logs or should we do no, a live I, reenactment? Yeah, we, we've graduated from reading Wikia pages to <laughs> reading, our, reading own. our text messages. <laughs> Dustin Swarm, which house do you encounter? Trevor. The only reason I really mention it is that I got so tired of hearing everyone else talk about it always while saying bad oh, things about goodness. Hufflepuff. So that's why I mentioned that I'm a Hufflepuff because I always oh, hear this people does say remind bad me. Hufflepuff. Can I make a small aside? <laughs> Second text from Trevor. <laughs> Honestly, the single most common sentiment is Hufflepuff is terrible. It's even used as a proxy for saying other things are bad, such as Iron Fist is the Hufflepuff of the Defenders. Yeah, can I wait? Can I? That was going to segue into what I wanted to bring up as a addendum to okay that we're only like twenty percent through the chat log, but go so ahead. We're not. <laughs> go ahead, caller. So one, when that whole meme was going around of each of, because there are four defenders and there are colors and stuff, and then who's in what house, the thing people said, Jessica Jones is a Slytherin. I would like to point out that with, and this is a mild, uh, kind of, not really a spoiler, it's kind of a spoiler, in season two, regardless of whatever she is currently, in the past, she was more Ravenclaw than anyone else. <laughs> Because there's a whole scene where, like, everyone around her is in, in the past, like, what was it, 15 years ago. Everyone, she's in a club. Everyone else is dancing and being social. And she is studying for a test from a book in a club. If that's not <laughs> the most Ravenclaw ever, I don't know what is. Well, I mean, also, she was in, like, high school, so. Uh, college. Same thing. That sounds like someone that I know <laughs> or some people I know. At a college dance. Let's see. Maybe. I looked up my tweet where I sorted the defenders. Daredevil, Ravenclaw, Jessica Jones, Slytherin, Luke Cage, Hufflepuff, Iron Fist, Gryffindor. Why is Daredevil Ravenclaw? Because he's a lawyer? He... Matthew, do you want to take this one? He did a ton of studying. I mean, I understand that. That makes sense to me. I, he... Yeah, he's a lawyer. He... um. He tends to think his way through problems rather than just like rushing in and punching things. Really? Because I watched, I watched season one of Daredevil and he punched a lot of people. There was like a whole scene. He punches, but he thinks about where it. It was like two minutes of just straight punching. But he's like, okay, who should I punch? Where can I find them? Oh. <laughs> so he has to think about who to punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. It, but now when he's saying that, though, I almost do want to push back against that because a Ravenclaw would have not taken the entirety of season one to figure out he needed body armor so he ca- wouldn't get stabbed <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the freaking time. Like, I just felt at the end, I was like, dog, get, stop getting stabbed. Go get body armor. He just can't hear knives. <laughs> um, I later read a, like a Daredevil run from the late 80s early 90s and there was a point where he was fighting someone with size and i have a picture of the comic where he just says i'm so tired of being stabbed and i was like i <laughs> they need to have this just be in the show because he literally has said it in the comics nice anyway that was I'd... so why are we talking about the defenders we were trying to talk about hufflepuff sorted you guys got into sorting yeah, yeah. because just i just want to say that it she was exhibiting very strong. She's probably probably any of them could have one of those like Harry Potter scenarios where not 
generically Harry Potter, specific Harry Potter scenarios, like when he was being sorted and he went to Gryffindor, but then the hat's like, eh, you could be Slytherin if you wanted to. Like, a lot of them could probably fall along those type of lines. Like, well, this is where you're trending, but you could go here. Like, I don't know. I could see that happening. Yeah. The hat gets bored and probably wants to have some conversations since it's locked in a closet for the other 11 months and... <laughs> 30 days of the year. Well, it's not like being in a house completely locks somebody into one state of being. <laughs> they People do various things. No, that just makes me think of like a tweet I've seen where it said like Hogwarts founder. So as you know, all students can be designed, <laughs> can be broken into four categories. Um, brave, evil, smart, and other. <laughs> and then like everyone else <laughs> go on. <laughs> Well, so we, after we talked about this, which I don't know, do I need to read more of the chat log? No, you're good. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, da, 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 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Why? Why are you? We just said you're good, and now you're I, through more of the chat. Okay, fine, log. fine, ah. fine. <laughs> okay, so the the reason we brought this up is we were just kind of talking about, um why it might be that Hufflepuff pride seems to be on the rise. And um, we came to the conclusion that because Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them stars a Hufflepuff, it may be the case that um, Hufflepuffs are seeing themselves represented in major media and feel more of a license to express their pride um, because they see this representation and another example of the importance of inclusion yep i also found a cool article about how um well, the title of the article is on newt's commander toxic masculinity and the power of hufflepuff heroes which uh, i thought was a pretty interesting take saying newt scamander being a reserved hufflepuff um is a nice antidote to the um, the standard manly man hero that we tend to see everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this until I started doing more research after we talked about this, but in 2015, while she was working on Fantastic Beasts, J.K. Rowling said that we are entering the age of Hufflepuffs. And there was much rejoicing. So she totally saw this coming, but it took me a while to realize it. Um, the woman at the head of the franchise with all the power to direct where it goes correctly called the direction. What? <laughs> How did she know? <laughs> I did not see that coming. Well, okay. Let me clarify. Frequently, J.K. Rowling will make pronouncements about how things have been. And people will be like, what are you talking about? It's not been that way. And this time she actually said it beforehand. So I'm trying to give her a little credit for being ahead instead of behind the ball. as <laughs> She often is. <laughs> I have thoughts regarding some of the articles in the Hufflepuff pride thing, but I don't think we have time for that. Do it. Do it. Well, we should talk about Hufflepuff <laughs> so as much as possible. I appreciated the, uh, the antidote to toxic masculinity post. It made me feel kind of guilty for not liking the actor because in the article, it was talking about how he does 
Um, so what is it that they call um, the opposite of toxic masculinity in the article? Um, do, 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 let me see. A rare bird. <laughs> I don't think that's... <laughs> I'm I stalling as I skim. Sensitivity. Skim. I don't know. So, okay. Well, they're talking about how the character Newt Scamander is more sensitive. He uh, he appeals to people's reason and emotion rather than like fighting. And I appreciate that. However, I felt like the actor just... When I watched the movie it seemed like he had one expression through the whole thing. And I didn't feel like the actor did a great job with the character. But then reading this article, they were talking about how great this actor is at portraying this type of character of more sensitive and not the toxic masculine archetype. So it, I don't know. I guess I was feeling a little bit conflicted. Like maybe I didn't like him because I am so indoctrined in toxic masculinity, but I didn't feel like that was, I don't feel like that's true of me. And two, I, throughout the movie, I never felt like, Oh, he needs to beat some people up. Like he needs to turn on some rage and kick butt. But it was more the fact that he just seemed to have, one constant expression regardless of any situ- of the situation and that was kind of annoying to me i did not personally get that and i mm-hmm. thought he did a really good job but i don't know i felt i don't know i felt like he was a really relatable character for me mm-hmm. and it's entirely possible that that's coming from my own personal experience of people telling me that I'm not expressive enough Mm. a lot of times, like especially people who don't know me at all are like, why aren't you happy right now? I'm like, um, why are you telling me that I'm not happy enough for you? (laughs) What's even happening? Um, so it may be that the thing you thought you saw is there and that was part of why I liked it. Yeah. Uh, or I may have perceived him as more expressive because of that. I don't know. What do you think, Matthew? I don't know that I analyzed this to that degree. I mean, maybe like <laughs> I, I, I have a different perceptual filter in that, like, I was like, is that maybe this character is a little on the spectrum? Like, I don't like that was kind of how I. Well, no, I thought I had that same thought that he might have been a little bit on the spectrum. Not that that's a bad, like in a way that just goes with the representation, being able to see reflections and media being a good thing. So, but that kind of would account for like how it was. I don't know. I was, I cared more about the animals. (laughs) That's part of what made it so relatable. (laughs) Caring more about the animals. Yeah. I am still can. That there seem to be a lot of people who are well, anyway that that's a complete aside for that movie who like just really hated Johnny Depp even being in the movie whatsoever and I'm still feel like I missed a conversation about that but that can be discussed at a different point like everybody hates him and you missed the memo and you don't know why I yeah I don't like he wasn't hated that 
long ago and now he i don't know like, I it was just specifically think... like him being in the movie sunk it for them and just they hate them and i was like he was in it for like five minutes i don't actually know the answer but i was he in it that long wait what was it that long i thought it was like a 30 second cameo yeah maybe not most. even that long i was using a standard okay. small amount of time i see what were you gonna say trevor i i don't keep up on celebrity news but i'm pretty sure that the johnny depp hate came from a domestic violence issue oh that's fair i mean not that i that makes the blowback understandable yeah and i yeah and people have been unhappy to see him in movies because they basically just don't want him to yeah yeah you're right it makes sense um jk rowling wrote something about why they're keeping him on for the rest of the series and people were pretty unhappy with that as well i didn't read what she wrote i just remember people were unhappy that she was defending it instead of just replacing him he was also in um murder on the orient express and i think a lot of people skipped that one because he was in it too but again he was barely in it the guy he plays is not a good guy <laughs> and he is the murder victim pretty quickly <laughs> so but i mean he's still getting paid for it is what they're upset about so i don't know the movie but murder on the orient express was good though so i don't know i don't approve of domestic violence <laughs> but um i do like murder on the orient express and fantastic beasts so i don't know hmm. um so relating to movies i did it's the best segue i can do um i did want to get on the record before infinity war a couple of infinity war related thoughts that are not actually tied to any promotional materials which anyone who's seen might be have more inklings about it. but um which is to say this is beyond spoiler free yeah there's just it's entirely my own thoughts <laughs> Can um, I can but, I say something about the, that really quick? Sure. It is getting incredibly difficult to avoid promotional material. Um, I had to leave the theater again at Ready Player One last night. Um, I accidentally saw the first like sentence of the trailer before realizing what it was, and then watching Agents of Shield today on Hulu, I heard a modified form of that same sentence and immediately closed my eyes and started humming like a maniac. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's getting really annoying trying to avoid this stuff. And I really wish there was an easier way to opt out of it. I'm also trying to avoid trailers for solo right now. And the last time that not the last time, but the movie before that, when I went to see black Panther with Matthew, I went out to the lobby during the trailers and there was a screen in the lobby playing the solo trailer and i was so mad that's all matthew what would you like to say about infinity war that has nothing to do with any promotional material i so from i think i might have said i really enjoy the vision from the way well, he's one of the characters i really enjoy in the comics and i was excited going into age of ultron because i knew he would be showing up in not even I thought it would be smaller than it actually ended up being. Um, but 
the way they made that there, they had the whole... Wait, this is a spoiler for Age of Ultron, so I'm going to assume that we can do that, right? It's been out for years. Yeah, yeah, time's up on that one. Okay. Um, I don't know what the statute of limitations on this is, but they make... They animate the vision by putting one of the Infinity Stones in his forehead and the point there, like, it was cool the way they did it, but I just immediately thought, like, oh, he's going to be horribly murdered when Thanos shows up. Just I've been mentally preparing for that for years, and it's sad. I'm just sad that he, one of my favorite characters, is going to be brutally murdered. And I'm sad. The end. Not the end. Why did you say not the end? Not the end because I'm still gonna com- like at the end. That's all. I'm, I'm still gonna be. Oh, you're still saying. gonna complain. Okay. Not com- and yeah, and I. So actually, probably by the time this is edited and out, will be very close to Infinity War. I'm still not convinced that he's gonna die. I'm not convinced. Well, like I in Civil War, just given who was in it and what they were doing, I was very concerned captain america was going to die in that and oh yeah he made it through just fine so i also had thoughts like oh, captain america is probably going to bite it in <laughs> infinity war but you know what i'm just not that i don't know i think there will be some deaths but then i also don't know what's going to be permanent because they'll do something universe rewriting it to deal with whatever they don't want to deal with do we want to talk about who might die or live? I thought you were against the idea to. I uh, yeah, I, I kind of was, but I don't know. We could do it if you want. Oh, uh, let's just skip it. We've got okay. uh, we've got other stuff, but I do want to throw in, kind of also in the same vein that I'm very hopeful that we will get. So, like, probably maybe. Not my exact favorite, but recently my most, my favorite Iron Man armor design is called the Bleeding Edge in the comics. And it's this, uh, it's a very modular suit because it's kind of like liquid metal that he can reform. Because this is at the point where he's kind of, uh, he's got extremists installed and he's kind of basically a technopath. And he can like reshape and redesign the armor at will to have lots of cool stuff but then just like the generic armor design is very sleek um and i enjoy that a lot and ever since we've got up to iron man 3 like i've been kind of and that's the iron man that would have occurred after they designed the bleeding edge armor i've just been kind of hopeful like are we going to see bleeding edge and they kind of like going with the armor control stuff he adds in in 3 it like built a little towards that and then I was hoping we'd get more of that in Age of Ultron, but then when we were getting up to Civil War, like the design there was definitely trending, bleeding edge on then I was like, oh, they're getting closer and they're doing and even like the the way he pulls out the hand glove works a little bit. Hand glove. <laughs> the <laughs> As opposed to any other type of glove. Yeah. The when he's fighting Bucky, that kind of works the same. I don't know. It kind of works on a similar type of principle. So again, I'm just building up hopes that we finally get a good representation of like a bleeding edge ish style armor in this. And that's my counterbalance to me being preemptively disappointed about the vision. I, I can think of several distinct scenarios for the vision. 
only about two thirds of which result in him dying and staying dead. Only two thirds. I yeah, I have I have ideas. Thoughts you probably shouldn't share. Um anyway, Why that's not? just Aren't you afraid of spoiler things? Is it a spoiler if I have no idea what I'm talking about? It could be. It could be <laughs> in that you have seen trailers that might inform what you're thinking. Okay. I did see that one trailer, the first trailer. My thoughts are based more on Age of Ultron, though, and Civil War. I could unplug my ears and you could say things to the wider world if you want. (laughs) Can I say two brief things that are simply pointing out things that he said before? Oh, sure. Go ahead. One, when Vision is first born, he is immediately set up as a Christ figure. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he could die and come back. The other thing is, also it's a comic book, so um, comic book movie. Um, The second thing is, he talked in Civil War about possibly learning to control the gym. So That's true. I don't know what the implications are of that, but it seems like there could be some potential for his existence to not be bound to it. I don't know. that has nothing to do with trailers. I don't know anything about the character that's not in the movie or uh, I was going to say something about that video game we played, but he doesn't really do anything in there either. Um, Ultimate Alliance? Yeah, he just is an NPC. Ultimate Alliance. He just says, welcome to Stark Tower. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I just I just think there's a lot of possibilities. That's all. I enjoy him for reasons that I could map very easily for Dustin. Do you enjoy data? Yes. In star Trek. I sure do. Similar reasons in that, like that's the character kind of who is not human and wants to be to an extent and is grappling with, but also doesn't want to be in some ways and is grappling with that. That's my scenario. Number four, (laughs) the vision is data. Vision becomes I, human. Oh, I was using it as a comparison. Not he is literally. Yeah, I know it's more about metaphor and experience, but yeah, you know, whatever. Anything can happen. Literally anything can happen in these movies. <laughs> so I'm not too worried. I don't know how I would feel about a Marvel Star Trek crossover event. That would be hard. <laughs> I'm not. That's not what I mean when I say anything can happen. I mean, anything can happen in terms of character, death and life and metamorphosis. And so when it comes to worrying about specific characters dying, I find it far more productive to focus on the general uh, overall dread of knowing that Thanos is coming and terrible things are going to happen rather than focusing on what might happen to specific characters. It's going to be great. We'll feel bad if like the biggest death is, well, we will feel bad if Red Wing dies. I was going to say if that was, (laughs) no. Um, we'll just see like I a spaceship in- crash to earth and Thor will look over and be like, Jane, and be like, Oh wow. They double rotor out. Okay. The, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, there was a big, uh, the long running Avengers line ended around like issue 500 at one point. And I was like, well, they, that was one where basically they had the Scarlet witch go crazy. And then, kill or like do stuff that resulted in the deaths of several people and i was like but they can't pull that off because they don't have the oh wait 
She went crazy and killed, ended up doing stuff that killed the Vision, Hawkeye, and um, Scott Lang, Ant-Man. And I was like, oh. If Hawkeye dies, there will be no forgiveness. There... <laughs> I do want to say that I'm buoyed by the fact that so many people have noted and are at least comically engaged with the fact that Hawkeye is not present in promotional material. <laughs> you think that's good? I it makes it feel like people care and they okay. notice Hawkeye as, versus like in the before when it was like the Avengers they're like, "Oh, Hawkeye's the guy who's there. I don't care at all." Like that was the prevailing sentiment. It makes me worry that he's going to have very little to do in Infinity War. And he'll just show up for the second movie after all the main characters are dead. I, well, I would definitely want him to show up because he gets like some of the best lines Mm -hmm. progressively because he's just so much a point of view character in that he's like, yeah, this is, this is happening. This is what's going on. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know what it's like to fight an army of robots with a bow and arrow. So totally (laughs) relatable. And people think I'm joking, but I've done that. So we talked a little bit about questionable decisions on the part of DC with their comic direction. Um, Do we want to spend a little bit of time talking about a similar situation with Marvel? Oh, yeah, this is dumb. Um, (laughs) So in their wisdom, they decided that in the future, so I don't know, I don't really care to explain Ghost Rider too much. Ghost Rider isn't a specific person. You can have different people be a ghostwriter it's kind of like a office in a way i guess isn't that someone that writes a book but ghostwriter continue matthew oh sorry (laughs) so the i don't care at all really about ghostwriter um except for apparently in the past when he wrote a mammoth that was the only cool thing but the (laughs) in the future (laughs) in the future um Apparent there was a thing they've got set up in that now apparently the person who is Ghostwriter is Frank Castle, aka the Punisher. And I was just like, this is the st- <laughs> it's just a stupid idea because it's like the kind of thing where they're like, oh, this will be intriguing because people want to know what's going on. But it, it it's kind of dumb. And then just it's a bad idea to make that man a Ghostwriter. Like whoever had that idea was. Not both creatively, but just in universe. It's like, sure, let's hand this guy who is nuts for vigilante justice and vengeance, like the ability to literally tear men's souls to shreds with demonic hellfire power. Like that's going to go over well. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's oh, and oh, go ahead. In the TV shows, those two characters are actually pretty similar. Other than the fact that one has like the demonic soul tearing element, they're like. I mean, they have their similarities. They both hunt down and slaughter criminals. The Frank Castle in the TV show is a little more relatable than Frank Castle ever comes off as in the comics. Okay. He's a lot more of, like, uh, he's one of the few heroes I've seen Captain America beat to a pulp because he was going too far. I enjoyed that. Yeah. That was in the Civil War comics run. Yeah. For the Um, listener. I know you know that. The you know I I understood that. Um, also, and this is part that maybe is 
more fantastic. Ghost Frank Castle Ghost Rider is the Silver Surfer like Harold for Thanos in the future. So is he Silver Surfer Ghost Rider and he, the Punisher all at the same time? He's not the Silver Surfer. He's just acts kind of like they they go around. Oh right, Thanos. okay. So Thanos's analog. Uh, to yeah, he'd be like, if Thanos Thanos is to Galactus as this as Ghost Rider Frank Castle is to a Silver Surfer. Okay. I was just using. Mm, no. <laughs> I don't know who was smoking what or whatever when all Would, these decisions were. Wouldn't made. it be Silver Surfer is to Galactus as this Frank Castle is to Thanos? I mean, it, what you know what I mean. Yes. However oh. you want to phrase that. Yeah. The relationship, but yeah, Silver Surfer is to Galactus as Frank Castle is to Thanos. And the, yeah, there you go. I liked it the first way. <laughs> I don't Thanos care. Is. However you want to. I like whichever way involves us moving on. So that's yes, just sir. <laughs> one of the things where it's, uh, that's comics for you, I guess. And it's all sometimes silly slash dumb or whatever decisions. Does he have a silver surfboard? No, and as far as I, from the oh. stuff I was seeing, you didn't even have like a motorcycle in space. So, <laughs> what, <laughs> I don't know how he gets around. And he's not the ghost rider anymore at that point. He's the ghost surf. No, I don't. <laughs> did Did you say that he's not the ghost rider in that scenario? Wait, what? When he's Thanos's herald, he's not ghost rider. No, he is ghost. I, that doesn't make sense to me either because I would. But think he's still ghost rider and Punisher. Ghost- and oh my goodness. He's not the Punisher anymore. He's just Frank Castle has become Ghost Rider and works kind of like a herald for Thanos. And personally, I don't know why a vengeance vaguely justicey thing like Ghost Rider would want to work with Thanos because, you know, guilty parties and all. <laughs> but is he wait, is Ghost Rider a vengeance demon? Yeah. Oh, are you going to say Anya? Because it was it was way funnier when Anya did it. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to transition, but I think I just did. Yeah, you did. Let's roll with it. That was completely accidental. You should edit that out and make it sound like it was on purpose. Fox Boss on Buffy the Vampire Slayer Revival. It's something we talk about frequently. Matthew, you sent me this. What are your thoughts? I, uh, I don't... Uh, number one, I guess I don't know if they're... I mean, like, you could, in theory, get some of the cast back together and do it, but I think they were talking, like, and that's kind of the theme recently is with television shows, is like, bring back this old thing that was popular. But number one, I don't know how they would, con- I feel like they would want to, like, jump on after all the comics stuff, because they've had, what, yeah. four or five se- seasons in the comics at this point after the show, and then that would just be really hard to to do if it's something, like, that would take some explaining. Yeah. With, I've, I've not read them, but I've heard enough about what happens in them that people would be totally disoriented. Yeah. I think even the people who read the comics would be a little disoriented, like yeah. seeing the transition. But um, if they wanted to do like a complete relaunch, then that has its own ish. I don't know. Yeah. When you sent this to me, for some reason, I thought it was talking about a reboot, like mm-hmm. just making a new show. And I thought that sounds like a terrible idea. I, um, and I imagine it would be on, you know, whatever the current 
15 channel is. I can't keep track of its name changes. And I don't know if it would involve Joss Whedon. I think he owns... I don't think they could legally do anything with Buffy without Joss Whedon. I could be wrong. Um, but certainly if he wasn't involved, I would not want to see it. Uh, but they are clearly in this article talking about a revival. They yeah. mentioned a few others that have had basically new episodes with the same cast set, however far in the future to match their ages. So in some ways that, that seems more plausible, but like you said, um, given the comics, which are actually framed as seasons um, and are in the continuity, um, I don't think it would work real well. And I'm glad that the person speaking in this article said that they wouldn't do it without Joss Whedon. And usually when they do this, it's because the creator comes to them and says, I have more stories that I want to tell. Can we get the band back together and tell these stories that I have in mind? They don't just say, you know what would be profitable right now? Let's go see if we can whip something up. Um, so I am glad that that is the case. I hope it's true. And I'm still really curious why this article was being reported from Jerusalem. Uh, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> because next year in Jerusalem is what they're going for in the sentiment. Is that where they are in the comics right now? <laughs> I was going with the generic idea of a longstanding hope to be fulfilled. But sure, let's just okay. say they are. I feel like there's some uncomfortable thing. I was like, wait, is Jerusalem on a hellmouth? And then I just don't even really want to touch that one. Angel. I feel like I could get more behind an Angel revival. I was more invested in Angel, so I would also agree with that. Because Angel, Angel was canceled pretty suddenly, and so its ending is not satisfying at all. So, yeah. You also have some... Um, issues with the way season five developed uh yeah people started dying fast once they knew it was getting canceled um but wait uh, can i make one aside from the one buffy comic i've actually read sure there was a limited series um have we discussed illyria on the show before i can't remember no anyway there was a limited series where they had like two or three issues of um stuff with Illyria and I wanted to read that and I only mention it because you would appreciate the fact that she acquires squid pets hmm. and lets them name themselves and one of them names like they're speaking some weird foreign whatever they are I don't remember they're they're like another dimensiony thing and the one decides to name itself pancakes interesting <laughs> I there's like no context like people, people who have not seen Angel have no idea what we're talking about now. Oh no! But I mean, you just—it's amusing to have a talking extra-dimensional squid that yeah. thinks pancakes is a great name. Yeah. To be honest, I've zoned out ever since we started yeah. talking about Buffy. <laughs> I just have such mixed feelings about Illyria. Mm-hmm. I understand your mixed feelings, and I don't want to help dredge them up. I just felt like you would slightly appreciate that. Okay. Let's see if we can get Dustin's attention again. Do you want to know a, a secret, Dustin? What's the secret? I watched Pacific Rim. You did? I did. The original or the Pacific original. Rim upside, Uprising? <laughs> Upsizing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that could work too. 
<laughs> combo sequel of Pacific Rim and downsizing. <laughs> Every monster and mech are ten times larger. You thought <laughs> Matt Damon is a Jaeger pilot. Oh jeez. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> He would not be good at just like, oh, I'm just imagining him. Uh, don't tell any spouses I said anything slightly <laughs> negative about Matt Damon. Wait, do all three of them like Matt Damon? I don't know. I'm going to take I that didn't as a no po- then. I didn't want to single out spouses. So okay. I made a Oh, so there's just the one? Okay. <laughs> I don't know which one you guys are talking about, but that's fine. That's fine. Okay. I don't dislike um, Matt Damon. I just don't think I like. Imagine, it's Matthew. Okay. <laughs> just imagine. Him. So I can't no, it's, imagine it's, him it's, as a it's Betsy. <laughs> Betsy likes Matt Damon a lot. I do really like him in Thirty Rock when he threatens to waste Liz Lemon because of a. Essentially, they got madness from watching <laughs> Guardians of Gold. <Goal. laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, and I'm so glad we talked about that last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why they were pointing guns at each other? It They were like trapped on a plane and then that movie was playing on a loop and that definitely contributed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so I, yeah, I watched Pacific Rim. Not uprising or upsizing or downsizing or Matt Damoning. Just plain old <laughs> Pacific Rim. <laughs> I watched the one without Matt Damon. Take that universe. And what did Take I think? That. I enjoyed it, Dustin. <laughs> You know that was going to be my next question. I was actually kind of afraid to ask what you thought. Um, I was worried that you would have <laughs> liked it. In that same vein, Matthew had asked me if I was setting my expectations too high for Pacific Rim because I was super excited to watch it, the original mm-hmm. one. And he's like, you you really sound like you think this is going to be like the best movie you've ever seen or something. And um, it was. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I I enjoyed the beginning more than the ending. Did I just offend you? No. Okay. I'm mortified. <laughs> so, I'm. I I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing. I just thought the beginning was particularly good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was surprisingly heartfelt for an action movie where giant robots fight giant monsters. <laughs> can i just Uh, which is exactly what i expected so i guess surprising i mean not surprisingly for what i expected from the movie but surprisingly for the genre that it is yeah (laughs) i don't want to see matt damon as a jaeger pilot but if they made a version where it was either a matt damon jaeger or a matt damon kaiju i would totally watch that speaking of matt damon betsy actually refused to watch this with me um so I had to watch it while she was out. <laughs> Why is that speaking of Matt Damon? Because she would have watched it if he was in it. Oh, oh, okay. But she just looked at it and she's like, yeah, I didn't really like Transformers. So. <laughs> <laughs> because all robot movies are Transformers. Yeah. Um, And none of us have seen Uprising yet. Is that correct? No. No. Okay. Well. I still feel compelled to tell you to read this review that I'm going to throw in the show notes, mm-hmm. which once again, the show notes are at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 33. Uh, there's a review on 
NPR called Pacific Rim Uprising serves up another helping of mech and cheese. I did see that title and I liked the name. And the review is, it is framed as a film critic giving sort of a press conference to a group which includes everything from snobby film critics to uh, crazy kaiju fans. And it's just, it was a joy to read it. So it doesn't have a bunch of spoilers. It has very mild spoilers. Um, it, I mean, it talks about like the percentage of kaiju in the movie and like the percentage of fight scenes, that kind of stuff. But that's all. Hmm. Is that unacceptable? Uh, no, I actually was reading and not listening to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, this was, this is like, possibly my favorite movie review I've ever read. It was just, it was enjoyable to read it. So the title made it sound like people are just thinking it's crap. And I wanted to point out that even in Pacific Rim, there were points where I realized that it was kind of cheesy and I'm not entirely sure why people would like this, but I loved the movie in general. So yeah. And that's the first thing addressed in this review the critic at the podium says he has a written statement that he reads pacific rim uprising is a movie in which giant robots fight giant monsters it is the sequel to 2013's pacific rim a movie in which giant robots fight giant monsters (laughs) pacific rim uprising is slightly different than pacific rim in that in pacific rim uprising the giant robots first fight other giant robots and then they fight giant monsters thank you he folds the paper before him sticks it back in his jacket pocket i'll take your questions now yes in the front and this first reporter that's talking with him is saying, well, this sounds terrible. Like, why would anybody want to see this? And they're talking kind of snobby and everything. And the critic at the podium is just saying, you sound like you know you don't enjoy this kind of movie. So why are you even asking me about this? You should not see the movie. You are clearly not the kind of person who enjoys this movie. Let's move on. Um, but I'm I'm not saying it how he says it because I want you to read the review. And I don't want to read the whole thing. Because that would be copyright infringement. <laughs> I will definitely read the article now. I opened it, scrolled down just to land on something in the middle, and the first phrase I saw was "thunder urethra." So I'm definitely going to have to read that and contextualize it better. Yes, that's that's when they're talking about Jaeger names. <laughs> I also enjoy the reporter who asks a really detailed question. The critic responds, "Sorry, who are you with?" And the reporter responds, Kaiju light up my life. <laughs> it's a zine. <laughs> and his question is, how many more Kaiju are there in Pacific Rim Uprising than there were in Pacific Rim? Like 80% more? or Which reminds me of how we always talk about dinosaur movies. <laughs> <laughs> Dinosaurs light up our lives. So I read this is, I was reading a thing about how there's a, guy in andorra who's kind of semi-close to being the world's tallest man ever and uh, basically because of a problem that requires surgery so he's going in to get the surgery to stop the horrendous growth and he got letters from everywhere like that his mom was talking about they said no don't do it you have to do this so you can take the take the title away from the u.s and they're like so that and then the mom was just talking about that. And she was like, well, the U.S. likes to think that that they're the best at everything. But really, they're only the best at, what was it, 
like mass shootings, um, prison incarcerations, and then reptile attacks. And I was like, wait, what was that last one? Because they said, she said reptile attacks. And I was like, do we get tons of reptile attacks? Did she see Jurassic Park and think that was an act like a documentary? Like what? <laughs> I was just confused because the I didn't know we were the leader in reptile attacks. Maybe was this shortly after the news about the kid and the alligator in Disney World? It could have been. I don't know. I think it was a fairly recent article, though. Okay. Because if it was from like two or three years ago, it could have been an availability heuristic. But um, I don't know. I mean, I would just have to think that like a more tropical country. Reptile attacks per country statistics. Well, I was thinking like you're saying reptiles. So probably like snakes and including crocodilians. (laughs) I'm sorry. The second article. You're worried about the wrong animal attack. And it's an article about the two-year-old in Disney World, <laughs> which just is like exactly talking about the availability heuristic problem that I was just talking about. Anyway, that's a total aside. So I do think I want to see um, Uprising. That is one I probably will try to get around to seeing at a show in the near future. Yeah. The reason that I accidentally saw Ready Player One last night is we were hanging out with friends and they mentioned that they wanted to see Ready Player One. And I was like, we're behind on movies and we have movie pass, so we could just go right now. And we went instead of watching something at their house. Um, I also recently discovered the term for when a movie is good enough that you would see it with movie pass, but probably not if you had to pay like seven to twelve dollars for the ticket. And such movies can be described as movie passable. Mm. I would say that Pacific Rim Uprising for me is more than movie passable, though. It is one that I want to see. I have a feeling we're not going to have much to say about it, though, (laughs) if I'm honest. Well, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Pacific Rim in depth. That's true. We could talk about both of them. We could talk about the whole franchise. I'm fine with that. Giant robots fighting giant monsters. Now there are two of them. Should we like uh, for this episode, like come up with our own Jaeger names? Yes, that will be cool. And then that's what we'll go by. Okay, I'll have to think about this. Forty minutes later. <laughs> no, we we just have this prepared for next time. Oh, I, for that I, I, episode. One, okay, I yeah. thought you meant for this episode. Oh, okay. no, no, And I was no. like, oh, we need to wrap up the recording, though. We can't be on that long. I found an, a Jaeger name generator a few years ago. Is it one of those where you put in, like, your date of birth and your mother's maiden name? Uh, no, I think you just press rand. <laughs> like, it's not anything about you. Oh, I like the personalized ones. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's the very first google result for that okay why is this one just two death two uh star destroyer names or i'm sorry i'm a bad star wars fan that's an at 80 name and a star destroyer name what tempest devastator Ooh, that is jinx spider the <laughs> oh i love the quiet the the at 80 on indoor is tempest one why is beard freak the name of a <laughs> These are terrible Jaeger names. Comet Chrome. Buccaneer Lucky. That one sounds real. Wait. Roadrunner Sentinel. <laughs> so it kind of, it randomizes things. <laughs> Fury. Because I don't have any of those. What? Did you guys click the link I sent you? No, I just Googled it. Oh, I'm looking at my own. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and oh, as always, by Googling it, I mean I duck decoded it. Oh, yeah, I was looking at a different one. Okay. Oh, I'm on the same one already. FantasyNameGenerators.com. Yeah. yeah, I'm on uh, the same one. Arachnid Werewolf. <laughs> I got Fury Werewolf and Hermit Brawler. Hermit Brawler, that's it. <laughs> Kaiju names. Jester Beelzebub. <laughs> uh, okay, these Kaiju names are not... These are so low effort. Um, Gypsy Stalker? <laughs> oh. Um, okay. What? These this batch of kaiju names I got the first five are fine Fusebreaker, Gore Reaver, Crystalback, Silverblade, Skullbone, <laughs> but the next five are so low effort. Grief, <laughs> Distress, Hazard, Ruffian, Radical. Those are not kaiju names. No, they they're all like this. They, it's always like a two word or two word five two word ones and then five one word ones. Gloom, Rebel, Woe, Scourge, Agitator. There's grief again. These are bad. Um, yeah, the Jaeger names are better. Titanic Hermit. Beard Epitome. I got Ancient Lucifer. Warmonger Mercenary. I don't know how I feel about this. Chrome Fox. Wait, that sounds like it's just someone, <laughs> someone decided they needed to merge Google Chrome and Firefox. And behold, Chrome Fox. It doesn't violate any copyrights. What are you saying? Forsaken Bobcat. The Ebon Matador is kind of a... That's the first one I've seen, and I was like, okay, that one works at least a little bit. Gin Butcher? That doesn't even make sense. How do you... Oh, okay. I'm going to be done. We should end the episode before this just turns into... There's a Star Wars ship called Ebon Hawk. That sounds like a Jaeger. The Cosmic Jigsaw? <laughs> Tyrant Matador? What does that even mean? I think we've kind of exhausted this, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Dustin, I have one question left for you. Okay. What is Biker Mice from Mars? <laughs> what is this? Did we talk about it? Did we? I see yeah, there's no. Lincoln here. Did I zone out? No, no, I mean, I, not I, this time, but I think we talked about it in an old show, right? Maybe. I, but when you guys were talking about Ghost Rider in space, that's what I thought. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Even though okay. a lot of it's set in Chicago. Nice. Not Mars? They come from Mars, and then they fight a greedy businessman in Chicago, who is, because they're mice, the villain's name is Limburger, because they had to make it cheese. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think we've covered enough completely disassociated topics. Or, yeah. All right. Do you want to close us out, Trevor? Sure. I don't remember what I say at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Go then. <laughs> this has been a broadcast of the public broadcast. Net. I don't know. Something or other. I mean, I can't believe you listened to that whole thing. This has been a test broadcast <laughs> of Better Worlds. <laughs> All right. We ready to record the real show? No. We'll go ahead and put this up at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 33, um, where you can find show notes. And review us. Not at that link. Not at that link, no. Um, the show notes <laughs> will have links and pictures and things. Um, but yes, also you should leave a review for us on iTunes or wherever else you might be listening. And also on iTunes, even if you're listening elsewhere, because yeah, for some reason that matters a lot. 
Um, I'm told um, you can join our Slack group at slack.betterworlds.net. We like to talk with people about things there. Same type of things that we talk about here. Um, we're probably going to get rid of our Facebook page soon, aren't we? Woo! Yeah. That was a little bit loud. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, not even because of the Cambridge Analytica stuff. We just, none of us really like using Facebook. So it's kind of a pain to manage it. And um, Facebook... Uh, Facebook's algorithm doesn't really show pages in the newsfeed very much, so it's it's just kind of pointless. Yeah. Um, but you can still follow us on Twitter at BetterWorldsNet. Um, our Instagram is already deleted, so nothing with that. Um, I guess that's it. Thanks for listening. Go then. Go then. <laughs>